at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them. So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writers Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week I'm joined by Sif Pop editor Robert. Hey, Jerry. You know, it's very good to be here. I appreciate you having me on. You know, I've been a big fan for a while now, Jerry. I listen and I study the way you podcast. Your timing, your timing is great. I hope I'm not overstepping here, but if you ever need to take a break, you know, I can fill in for you, Jerry. Don't worry. Like, I take six weeks, something like that. I'm, I'm all good. So, you know, I'm, I'm not young anymore, Jerry. So just give me, give me a shot. I got this. Just, okay, I'll stop talking. Back to you now, Jerry. I think it's really funny that uh, the, the in the line where you were complimenting my timing, that's the one part that you had a little stammer in there. <laughs> Man, the dedication, the commitment to, to get that taken care of. Also, it's been, what, like six months since you've done an intro monologue or an yeah. intro quote? <laughs> yeah, but I, I just couldn't. Not. Do you remember what I said last time? I was like, pay attention for the name Jerry being said a thousand times. <laughs> I don't. Said, I remember. Gonna... <laughs> I remember somebody saying something about this movie, but I couldn't remember which. Um, I said that, and you said I'm going to forget that in five minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. I also remember the month before we did the Great Dictator. Somebody said something like, "Oh yeah, keep that in mind," and I, mm. <laughs> I totally forgot. Um, anyway, I think it was probably just like, "Oh yeah, if you like that ending, you're going to love the Great Dictator ending." It's like, I think you love the Great Dictator ending without loving another anyway uh, i'm also doing my sip pop contributor caleb what's up how am i supposed to follow that you should let me go first you should let me I, go first let robert go second i should probably start doing that all right i'll i'm gonna uh, i can write it down here that way i won't forget uh man uh well we write for sippop.com we do movie reviews my several challenges and lots of other fun interesting movie related articles make sure to check out sippop.com to keep up with all of that on the podcast today though we are going to be talking about uh, a couple coming attractions we got the little mermaid about my father and the machine coming out this week uh, and then we have uh, our SIF topic, which we'll be talking about the goat. Uh, or, sorry, the potential goat, uh, the king of comedy. Uh, we'll discuss uh, whether or not we think it deserves to be in that category. And uh, we'll explore the B plot, answering a question uh, that I came up with. And uh, we'll do the, the spinoff. Um, a quick recommend or warn from each one of us. But first, let's get a chance to talk with our writers this week. Guys, um, I know this is normally a movie podcast and we are doing... Uh, TV catch up week next week um, so I'll be talking about at least some of these I think a little bit further but um, actually I don't know maybe not about these specific shows because I'll, I'll save some of my thoughts for that then because the podcast will come out the day that the Ted Lasso finale airs like next week's mm -hmm. podcast and we will likely record um, before I get a chance to watch the Barry series finale and um, which airs on Sunday and secession series finale airs right before Barry. So, um, what, what are you guys' thoughts? What are, are Caleb? I, I asked if you were watching secession. Are you, are you watching the other two as well? Or just, just that I, I do, but I'm behind on the other two. So I'm not like fully caught up. Um, but yeah, I watch all of them. Uh, I'm more just like thinking about like what a huge hole in television. It's going to leave next weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the the shows to follow, like we have the idol after Succession and Barry. It's like feels like a drop off. It just 
I don't know. There's just going to be a huge gap in like good TV content that they're kind of leaving behind all these shows ending right around the same time. No pun intended, but uh, the idol is already getting canned at can. Yeah. People are (laughs) saying it's terrible. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm not looking forward to all of them ending, especially at the same time. I'm like, one of you couldn't have like done one more season to just give us a little more, but no, I'm, I'm looking look, forward to seeing how they wrap all of them up. We're, we're obviously recording this before um, Wednesday, which means that we haven't seen the penultimate Ted Lasso, but I'm still not convinced that it's ending this season because I know that they said they wanted it to, but it, like nobody has really confirmed that it's happening. Um, like, like Apple hasn't been promoting it as the series finale or anything. They just like keep on saying like new season or whatever, so, like when, when they were promoting it. So like, I'm still not convinced it's going to be the last season um, until, I don't know, maybe something will happen on tomorrow's episode. But I don't know. I'm um, I maybe so maybe there will not still be that huge gap left in television. I don't know. But I um, well, I, I still haven't yet. Well, yeah, Robert, let's get, <laughs> let's, let's get there. You you stopped watching Ted Lasso. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk about that for a bit. Um, I still love the first season and I watched the first season. I I watched it a little bit late and I saw it and I was like, okay, this could be a great mini series, but I'm still happy to continue see where it goes. Um, I still, I think when we did the sifties two years ago, you know, with, uh, Dicer and Andrew, we chose Ted Lasso season two as our show of the year. If I'm remembering correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I would still agree with that because I, Rewatched all of the Ted Lasso heading up to season three because I was excited. Um, and I kind of thought maybe I had some leftover goodwill from season one for season two. And I just gave up on season three. I'm not going to come in here to be too big of a hater, but I just think it dropped off very quickly. Um, and to me, it reads as cynical instead of earnest. Mm, it's like fair. they know that they're supposed to be the uplifting, positive show. So now they're like toxically <laughs> uplifting. See, that, I, that's kind of why I'm dragging on the new season right now. Like, I'm like several episodes behind because they just don't. Well, first off, they're way longer than they used to be, which mm-hmm. is just like I just think some of the length of the new episodes has been. I, I don't know. I just feel like they don't need to be that long. Like, I feel like a, mm-hmm. a solid 30 minute episode is a really hard thing to pull off on TV, even streaming. And Ted Lasso did it really well. And then now they're like going away from it. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Hmm. I watched the last one that I watched was where they were in Amsterdam and Rebecca's on like the guy's boat and the team is trying to decide what they're going to do because they have a free day or something like that. And I felt like they just to your point, Caleb, they just kept going back to those scenes over and over and the characters weren't making any movement. They just were like still trying to decide where to go. Rebecca's still trying to decide what to do. Ted's still Mm -hmm. trying to decide this or that. And it's like they have some extra mediocre punchlines, but it's just like, I don't really know why it was that long. And maybe if it, yeah. it had been more streamlined and shorter, I might not have fallen off, but I just got so exhausted watching it. Can you imagine if we'd be saying that about this show, you know, two years ago? I know. I, I no, I agree. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm shocked. I, uh, I agree that there's been a dip in quality in season three. I think part of it is like, um, Brett Goldstein and um, uh, Bill Lawrence were also working on shrinking, like because that like came out and was airing episodes. I think while Ted Lasso was like, I think the finale was airing, or maybe it was like back to back. So it's like, I feel like like they had split time um, to work on Ted Lasso, and and I know that like 
I, I think Jason Sudeikis had more creative control over season three than he did in the past. Like, I just think I just think it's kind of missing some of those elements that season one and two have. So I agree. There's been a different quality. Um, I still really like the show and I um, I'm, I'm not anywhere close to the point of just like dropping off, especially because like, sure. oh, it's the final season anyway. So number one, let's let's see what their plan is all along. Um, and number two, um, like, uh, you know, maybe maybe there is a point to it being you know, so meandering. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, maybe there's that point. But I agree. Like the first half of the season was really hard for me to get into, get into. I was like, this show's fine, but like this isn't Ted Lasso. Like the the first couple episodes. It, what interestingly, I, I don't think it was until the Amsterdam episode that I really started to like the season. Hmm. Um, but it is also still missing that like kind of anything can happen moment where like. Uh, um, like uh, like I mentioned in my uh, shrinking review, like I really like how Bill Lawrence is really great about like subverting kind of where audiences expectations can go. And like he'll he'll kind of like make scenes that will lead you to believe the thing that, the, that you know, the audience want to think. And then he'll just throw a big, you know, curve. But then like you love the curve when it happens. So like the moment I think of is like the whole Sam and Rebecca storyline, because like when you see Rebecca on banter, you're the only other person you ever see, like, like they cut directly to Ted and you're like, Oh, Ted and Rebecca are going to be together. And I'm sitting there like, I really hope not. And, uh, and then eventually like there's the big reveal that, Oh yeah, no, Ted is just, you know, not even talking with Rebecca. He's just uh, on his phone. He's just on his phone, and then she's actually been matching with Sam, though. And you're like, oh, 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 I could like that, right? And um, and then they show you why I do like that. So um, anyway, it's just like it's missing that element. Like every like I think Robert, I, I asked you were I think you might have talked to me before you said anything to anybody else about not like not watching the show anymore. But you said like. You're t- you're just tired of shows because because I was asking you about shrinking and you're like you're tired mm-hmm. of shows that um, like don't really have anything under the surface to say like where everything is just kind of the the themes and messages are just kind of like worn on its sleeve and obvious and uh, like that's just kind of boring to you at this point like I I definitely feel like that's um, that 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 is the difference between this season and the past seasons so yeah stuff yeah, used to shrinking. be surprising in the show and now it's just not right shrinking was another example of that though i did enjoy that overall i would give it like a seven for the season nice. um, but yeah this this season of ted lasso everyone kind of like what you were saying everyone is just the best they can be it seems um at least where i stopped you know it's like jamie's not a jerk anymore uh right. um roy's not grumpy all the time right rebecca's or uh keely is running her own business and all that and i know there there are bumps along the way and things and stuff and all that kind of stuff <laughs> but, i mean you're, um, you're right for the most part like things haven't really changed too much i think they just funneled all of the bad people things into zava and thought that that would be okay and that made no sense to me. It's just like yeah. he comes and he's weird and I was like, what is going on? And then he just mm-hmm. left mm-hmm. and then Nate just decided that he wasn't bad anymore. Like there, there there's right. no narrative thing. Like I'm okay with him turning back. Like I thought that's where the show was going, but it, there were like no interactions with Ted where he's just like, actually I'm, you know, I was being a jerk or like I misunderstood or I judged too quickly. It's just like, Oh wait, no, I shouldn't have done that all in my, it's like, kind of hurt my head what the catalyst was 
the the narrative for Nate has been really frustrating this season. And as somebody who is caught up on all the current episodes, it has not gotten better. It has actually gotten worse. Um, and I'm really look. There's two episodes left uh, for this season, at least. And I'm just I'm I'm scared they're not gonna they're not gonna stick the landing because they haven't yet so far this uh, this season on pretty much anything. So um, yeah. I don't know. It's been fun. I did start a uh, a Slack channel for people that are like up to date on the show and just talking about predictions. And like we all kind of like, yeah, we know where this is going. Um, but like, yeah, because I made a post. It was like two weeks ago. There's three episodes left. And I'm like, guys, there's still like 40 hanging threads. Like, let's get your predictions on these. And uh, so that's part of the reason why I'm not convinced that they're going to um, that they're going to end this after this season. But also it's uh, um, it, there's just a lot of things that we all know where they're going, but there are a couple of things I hope they do to, to kind of change that. Like, and I don't know how you do it, but um, I don't know. I'm also kind of, you mentioned about the episode run length. Like I'm kind of scared. The finale might be two hours. Like maybe that's how you get it all in there. Right. Like uh, it's not uncommon for series finales to be longer than regular episodes. And most of Ted Lasso's season three's episodes have been like 45 minutes to an hour. Like I wouldn't be surprised for a two hour finale. I mean, like stranger things did like what, like a, what, what was they it, did like, like three straight feature films pretty much yeah, right did. but yeah. like the like the finale was like two was, and a half hours i was about to say yeah it was really long and then the last the two episodes leading up to it were both like an hour and a half yeah yeah so uh, or like um I, I know i know a lot of like hbo shows have done that like game of thrones was uh like a what, like a two-hour finale i think as well but yeah, I mean, even Succession hasn't been like that dramatic, but like past couple episodes have been a little over an hour, which is a little longer than they they've been in the past. And then the finale is supposed to be an hour and a half. So, well, yeah, Succession, it's normally an hour. And then these last couple has been like an hour six or an hour yeah. ten. It's nothing <laughs> crazy. Like all yeah, of a sudden they're, they're an hour forty five. Yeah. Let's yeah. uh, let's take this as an opportunity to move on from Ted Lasso then and just ask. I'm not watching Secession, although the buzz about this last season has made me believe that I'm going to binge this like in its entirety, like immediately. And I've been like, it's always been on my queue ever since the show aired, but I just kind of didn't get around to it. But like, I feel like I can't not be watching it right now. Like I'm getting extreme FOMO from not watching secession. And I was going to say, you've been talking about like, I haven't seen it, but you're going to start it for like for a while now. I know, but like, I'm legitimately like, probably going to start it here soon i just like i've been caught up with i haven't been watching a lot of tv recently because i've been working on like getting a video game um accomplishment done which was to finish my playstation 3 catalog to move like to get that out of like to move that to a different room of the house because that's what my wife wanted and like i just finished that so it's like i've got a little bit more like like i don't have that one single-minded goal anymore so i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna start secession here real soon um and uh You're not the first person I've heard say that um, because after a particular episode this season, both Jake and Foster said that they wanted to start because of the buzz. I don't know if Jake did, but Foster's been messaging me. He's been been binging the last couple of weeks. Oh, I'm definitely going to be messaging you when I start it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I hear what was it like episode four or something like that? Like, I think there's a wedding. I don't know um, entirely, but I hear like that's the best episode. Like maybe three of all time. Yeah. Three is the one that something happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah. the last two have also been pretty huge. Yeah. The yeah. last two have been really great. Yeah. I just, uh, I mean, this, I, I'm this, hearing like amazing the episode. I was freaking out uh, because mm-hmm. I work in news and okay. I've done several elections and 
obviously, you know, what I do is a little smaller scale, but they got it pretty accurately. Like the the buzz and everything going on in that episode. So that was uh, really fun. Have you ever had a touch screen break? Uh, we have not had a touch screen break. <laughs> or two this touch screen did, breaks. This year we did have a tornado in our coverage area during oh, elections. No. So that oh was gosh. really fun to deal with for a whole night. Um, I think I worked like 13 hours that day. But uh, well, uh, uh, no, we've never had a t- our touchscreen break. <laughs> let me let me ask you this then. Since the session ends on Sunday, do you feel like it has set up to where the finale could be an hour and a half and you are good with that? Like you, you are – the show has accomplished what it set out to from the start um, and, and what that evolved to be. Um, the show – um, is going to go out on a high note, and the show has led quality to believe that like we're not going to get like a Game of Thrones where we're all just like, oh man, like oh, like that sucked. Um, how how are you feeling? We are five days away from the finale. Well, Jesse Armstrong, the creator and showrunner, has I've never seen any of his other stuff. He's done other shows, but throughout the run of Succession, he's never given me a reason to doubt him. But for some reason, I'm only like. 98% confident that like I still think there's about a 2% chance that they're going to do a Game of Thrones um, I'm not going to be specific um, Caleb if you want to know what I'm thinking later you can message me or ask me okay. but I, I think I think there's the smallest chance that something silly might happen but besides that I'm very confident I think 90 minutes is more than enough I don't think that they're at the point where um I'll, I'll want more seasons after this. Um, again, not giving reasons why, especially in unspoiled ears. Um, and I, I know some of the cast has been like said that they were surprised that this was the end, even after reading all the scripts. So I'm just interested mm-hmm. to see. Um, I'm interested to see where it's going to end and if it's going to be somewhat ambiguous or. What? Is it going to be like The Sopranos? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm ready for anything. Sarah Snook, um, one of the main actresses, she said like she didn't know the show was done until the final table read. Like she just thought she was going in for the season finale table read, and it turns out it's a series finale table read. Mm. So it's, um, I'm just interested to to see. Sure, that's yeah, that's really interesting. I'm excited. Um. Caleb, do you have any final thoughts on Succession? No, I mean, I pretty much agree. Uh, he's Armstrong has stuck the landing of each season. Like, each season finale oh, yeah. has been really incredible. So that gives me hope. But uh, also, like, all the cast interviews, none of them list. And I, I get, like, maybe you don't want to list the finale as, like, one of your favorite episodes of the season. But they hardly ever mention it. So that makes mm. me worry just a little. Or like none of them mention it is like one of the most shocking things, and that's my that's my fear. Uh, I, I've been talking with friends about it, and uh, you know people can't agree on how it's going to end, which I like. I like that there's like several yeah. possibilities, but like some people are convinced that they're going to try to do like a big surprise ending, like try to pull like a Game of Thrones almost. I really hope they don't do that, but um, I don't know. Like we might be talking like about Robert the same said. thing. What'd you say? We might be talking about the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I'm hoping that they don't. I am a little fearful because it is HBO Max and it's, like, you know, same, like, brass behind it. But I'm going to trust Jesse Armstrong. He hasn't given me a reason to doubt him. So, yeah, I'm still very optimistic that they're going to stick this landing. Nice. The season um, finales of this show 
have always been like momentous and something huge happens. Mm-hmm. But the show never, not never, doesn't, the show sometimes isn't interested in following plot threads or like following through on big things happening as much as it is like this big thing happens. How does it affect how the characters behave? Yeah. Um, so I'm interested if, to see if that's how it's going to end. Like, is this something that could be undone or just kind of hand waved? Would there like, should there be a fifth season? I know there's not going to be, but like, is that going to be the same kind of thing or is it going to be some sort of closure for the characters? Mm-hmm. I, um, sorry, I was going to transition. Us. Um, how far are you guys behind on Barry? I know Caleb, you I, said you're behind. I don't know if you're behind at all, Robert. I've seen all but the most recent one. Okay. Pre- planning to watch it today. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Like, see, like it airing immediately after Secession is really weird to me. Um, but like, they did yeah. very season two during the last season of Game of Thrones. But like, even though Game of Thrones had a lot of buzz and a lot of hype, and I think that did ultimately help Barry's viewership because a lot of people are already on the channel. And then why not? Um, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you're stunned by the ending of the episode to just be like, really? Why? Oh, well, the new show's already started. Hey, this one's actually kind of good. Um, <laughs> the uh, right. But yeah, it seems weird, like especially because like Barry is now a, a like a big show. Um, like I think season three really took it to new levels, like especially in terms of like uh, its viewership, you know, won a lot of Emmys and whatnot. So like I I'm almost shocked that they didn't just save like like HBO could have could have done like the night that The Last of Us ends Secession's season premiere begins and then like the night that Secession finale ends Barry season four premieres like they could have done it to where they could just could have just dominated like three months um and the only other competition was um was Ted Lasso and I think a little bit of the Mandalorian was in that run but people didn't really like this season of the Mandalorian anyway um Caleb how far are you behind on Barry uh I'm actually a couple seasons behind <laughs> okay I uh right. it's just like one of those shows that I like it just kind of fell through the cracks and I've been meaning to catch up and then now I just figured I'd let it end and then I can binge it here and well it, it was also like affected by the pandemic because like yeah. season two finale aired like season two I think started premiering at the start of the pandemic and then like beca- because of all that like it was it was three years between yeah um between seasons two and so, three yeah so i've fun. seen the first two seasons which is mm-hmm. kind of funny because from everything i've heard the tone has shifted dramatically i mean it started it starts shifting you know it kind of does like a wire, high wire act in the first couple of seasons but from what i've heard with the most recent season it's basically like fully gone it's a thigh. very different show than what it started out to be but i think that was always the intention i think it yeah. was all like yeah. you can see how they get there but like mm-hmm. Watching it on a binge is is only slightly jarring. It really was meant to be seen week to week, or at least like watch a season, wait a little bit, watch another season, wait a little bit. Um, but like you can you you understand why why the tones shift the way they do and and where the plot goes and whatnot, and especially because like you, you're trying they're trying to tell a comedy um, about about a hitman, and, but they're also trying to be serious about it, and so you can't just you can't just be like oh he everything turns out peaches and cream in the end. But um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always I, been about a hitman who Hank says, yeah, you're the most evil guy I know, you know? So yeah. like, it's very funny, but also Barry kills his best friend, like in the first season because yep. of a job. So it's like, I, I can see, like, I think it very easily 
works through this shift. And I still think it's very funny. Like this isn't a spoiler, but there's a scene in this, the last one that I saw. So episode five, six, whatever, where uh, a mob guy is showing people around a house and they're going, Ooh, ah, I just thought it was the funniest thing. It's just like, amidst all of this like super dark tonally stuff, there's still like very silly stuff. So a couple of weeks ago, I, um, I, I, sh- I started showing t- this to this group of guys that I hang out with on Monday nights. Um, and so we we started with season one and we watched like three episodes. And then the next day, like we finished se- or the next week, we finished season one. And then so since then, we've been doing four episodes a week. And so I've seen the first four episodes of season four. And next Monday, we'll watch the last four. So um, I only just now got around to this recent season. And um yeah, it's definitely a different show than what it started out to be. Um, but I think I think it's a good um, I, I, th- I think this is a really great example of shows that can grow and evolve and be different than what they were at the start, even in only four seasons and still be just as good. Um, so I, I I'm really liking this season. I, I do feel a little bit like um like their only focus is on how the show like is on the finale. And so everything is just kind of getting there. And there's a lot of things that they are just like doing to either. It, 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 I get that this is really how all TV works, right? You just structure big events and then you structure ways to get to that big event. But it's just like it, it feels like this one's a really big leap. And so I'm I'm really liking this season, but I am liking it less than the first three seasons. It's it's a little it's a little less enjoyable i think this I, I think the season though is here's the other thing too about this show you, is you've that, only watched the first four episodes yeah <laughs> okay yeah so yep so i end with the i i the last episode i watched is right before the time jump um like right. the, there's a there's the time jump at the very end of the episode which i don't think is a spoiler to say that there's a time jump right which is um, why i'm asking or why i'm wondering <laughs> like you don't think big stuff is happening <laughs> like what happens through that last episode everyone yeah. does huge stuff well i just i don't know i I, just, I look at it and i'm like that first episode of the season it was like it's really good tv but it's like it's it's just getting us from season three which in my opinion could have been the series finale and i would have been fine um uh like i mean i'm i'm happy to have a fourth season but and, and i'm hoping that that opinion changes by the last half of season four but like it just it just felt so perfect it felt so right and natural and almost like a what else do we need to say like it was too clean i think and I don't That's think Bill fair. Hader is interested in being too clean. Here's here's my one, here's my two things about this show. Uh, number one is that I am so sad that this show is not going to get Bill Hader an Emmy because Secession's going to win all the Emmys. Like, well, like this isn't like, comedy, right? Oh, I guess that's fair. That's a good point. Everyone uh, talks about about Barry versus Ted Lasso, and they're thinking. And I've seen lots of tweets that are like, "Ted Lasso sucks now, so Barry can finally win the Emmys that Jason Sudeikis has been stealing." I mean, Henry Winkler has like won for. Well, I, th- I think that aired. Yeah, no, that was last year. So um, Henry, Henry Winkler won for season three. But either way, um, Bill Hader deserves an Emmy for this season in both acting and directing. He's been remarkable um, in, on both sides, and I'm. I'm just so excited to see whatever he does next, but um, but that's my big that's my one big take. And then my other um, is that um, this show has done an excellent job of, especially on a rewatch, of of showing you how how terrible everybody is. Like because even in season one, you're like, oh yeah, I like this person. That's this person's fun, and this person's a little off, but whatever. But like 
there's nobody likable in the show right now. Not a single person. Um, maybe Jim Moss. Um, but he's not, you know, but like, 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 especially I think this show is, is, is just as much about Sally as it is about Barry and seeing her digression over time has been really interesting on a binge watch on a rewatch. Cause like you, because like I knew where, where the show takes her by the end of season three. And so rewatching seasons one through three on that was, was like, Oh, it, like it was right there in front of us all along. Um, and, and like to make Sally just as despicable as Barry is like quite the accomplishment. So, um, and even like they managed to make think, Gene yeah. like so unlikable in the season. I was like, oh, but Gene, you were my one hope. Like, Gene has never. I mean, he's, he's charming, always been. He's but charming, he's but he's always been a bad scummy. person. But now, yeah. but now he's not likable. <laughs> like that's the problem. Um, well, I'm not going to say too much, but I really, really like this season. Um, and I don't know if that's because I hadn't rewatched anything. Like I just watched everything when it aired and watch clips here and there in the meantime. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I'm really enjoying this season. Um, the ch- somewhat change in tone doesn't really bother me. I am loving the time jump. Uh, I'm, that's that's Good. as far as I'll say it. But like, I it's I think it's great um, what they're doing with it. Uh, Bill Hader is, you know, he's been on the big picture. He stopped going on the Big Picture podcast because of the writer's strike, so he's standing in solidarity. But he was like doing um, weekly recaps, talking about the behind the scenes each week. Um, mm-hmm. So I really respect him because each time he's talking about something, he's always mentioning like the person who made it happen. Like he kind of deflects credit. He's like, "Oh yeah, our costume designer. Oh yeah, our third AD helped with this." Um, so I respect him as an artist and more like as a person and businessman now. Um, that's kind of not in the text of the show, but it's just I'm glad when something happens that lets me like a person and not just what they're making. So, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying the fourth season. Thanks. It's very dark, but it's here's, also excellent. Here's what I think is going to have to happen next next week. Um, these the episode comes out as a TV catch up and I wish i would have like been able to see the chart because also when i made the schedule we didn't know when ted lasso was airing or like they didn't have like start dates um they like announced like a month out right so i really wish that this would have been pushed back a week so what i think is going to happen is we'll do our tv catch up like normal and we'll keep that like spoiler free like like we've been doing but i think i'll offer to to my guest next week to say that we can record um like a spoiler cast on um, on Barry and Ted Lasso since I haven't seen Secession. So, uh, and then I'll, and then I'll drop those in the feed. So that way, like once I've seen the finale, like, cause we can give thoughts cause I'll still, I'll still have the same experience by the time we record with both of those shows. Well, I'll have one more episode of Ted Lasso under my belt. So it's like, we can talk about them, but I, I really think for both of these shows, I'm going to, I'm going to do two separate, just real quick spoiler talks with them and, and then drop those in the feed. Robert, if you want to do one for Secession and grab somebody, you are welcome to, um, Mike and Kristen on next week. So if you wanna if you wanna grab Mike um, to, or Kristen to kind of keep it, um, kind of like in the same vein. But if you if you want to do it, you feel free to. I know you're also writing the review for Secession on the mm-hmm. site. So, um, but if you want to do a spoiler cast, you go for it. Um, but I'll do, I think I'm planning on one for Barry and Ted Lasso. Then so um, I'll see how prob- things shake out. Probably expect those in the feed. Um, just kind of as as quick, just spoiler spoiler cast drops. Um, so 
you know, I appreciate it, Jerry. Uh, you know, if you want to take more breaks, I, I'm very happy to take over. I'm very happy. <laughs> well, it's not so much taking a break. It's just you, you could talk no, about this thing that I know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just trying to get into character. Yep. Uh, well, real quick, let's let's transition to that way. Uh, but first, I got to know one random question, something not related to pop culture. What is your guys's go to work lunch? Well, I'll, well, I'll, I'll answer. Um, I work from home, so whatever is in the fridge, whatever we have left over, or uh, whatever kind of sandwich or anything I can throw together. I was gonna say, what if you don't have leftovers? Is it sandwich? Is it ramen? Is it what's your? It's what's not your... ramen. <laughs> um, no, I, you... I normally have like microwavable meals um, available, so if I don't have leftovers, I can do that. But we try to make leftovers because I hate microwave meals. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not good for you either. No, they're just I love them, but they're actually very easy. Yeah. Caleb, what about you? What's your go-to work meal? Mine is a uh, lean cuisine, the microwave lean cuisines, because <laughs> I only get I only get like an hour to an hour and a half break for lunch, uh, and I come home for it. So it's just anything fast to where I can just like sit and relax instead of spending you know however long making something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, my uh, freezer is always stocked with lean cuisines. I just throw those in the microwave, and that's what I have. Nice, awesome. I um, mine's mine's kind of cheating because I work at a restaurant, so <laughs> my my go to lunch is a meal prepared for me. But uh, we have a we have a grilled whitefish on our menu that I think is really good, and it's one of the healthier things that my my restaurant serves. So. Um, that's that's the thing that I order most often and people are like really because like it's not ordered a lot because it's it's seafood and we're not like a really like a specific seafood place and they're like really and people I work with aren't they're college students that are like oh like seafood's gross and I'm like you shut up <laughs> um, so well speaking of fish indeed speaking of fish let's talk about a couple coming attractions this week the little mermaid is one of them about my father and um the machine since robert so eloquently transitioned us let's start with the little mermaid um i'm telling you jerry i've been working on it i've been trying to get my transitions better (laughs) a young mermaid uh, makes a deal with a sea witch to trade her beautiful voice for human legs so she can discover the world above water and impress a prince directed by rob marshall um written by david mcgee Hans Christian Andersen, Rod Clements. I think some of those are like, you know, based off of the original, the original story. Yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah. The, the new screenplay is pretty much just uh, Dave McGee um, starring um, Halle Berry. Yeah, Halle Bailey. Sorry. I always get that messed up. Javier Bardem, uh, Jonah Howard King, Melissa McCarthy, uh, David Diggs, Jacob Tremblay, Aquafina. Um Plenty of other people that you might like recognize um, faces and names that you might be able to see. So, um, The Little Mermaid, the new remake, the newest live action Disney remake. Um, what do you guys think? Um, if it, this is coming to theaters, um, but uh, let's let's take everything out of the equation except for your free will. Um, so your free will is the only thing that matters. When are you checking out this movie? Are you going to go check it out in theaters? Are you going to wait till you can rent it at home? Are you going to wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for? Are you going to wait to find out what your friends are saying? Or are you just not interested in this movie? Robert, I want to start with you because last month we had you on and that was the Peter Pan and Wendy. And oh. I know that you were really excited for that one because of David Lowry. And then I don't think anybody liked that movie. So... Do you have a little like? Do you have like a same sort sense of optimism for Little Mermaid, or are you? It was that the straw that broke the camel's back, or I guess 
I think you were already over them in the first place. But how do you feel about yeah. Little Mermaid? Well, it wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, yeah, like you said, I was over them in the first place. I'm not interested in Little Mermaid. And literally the only reason I was interested in uh, Peter Pan was because I thought David Lowry could have done something with it. But I don't think he did. And I don't think Rob Marshall, of all people, is going to do anything <laughs> with the Little Mermaid. So if I was not ho- hosting a, a monthly review roundup, shameless plug, um, I would not be seeing this film. Nice. Caleb, where do you land? Oh, yeah, I was very cynical about this when the news first released. I still think it looks like terrible visually. Like, the trailers have been so bad, like historically mm-hmm. bad visuals. But I have a little sister <laughs> and I watched her react to the trailer and she's adopted from Ethiopia. And mm-hmm. so I, it melted me watching her react to it. Uh, and she's very excited for it. So I will be there opening night with my whole family. We're all excited to go. That, like I said, melted me a little bit, made me a little less cynical. And I think this one would be a lot less annoying if it was like the first live action one that they'd remain. Cause I think there yeah. is some elements in this that could use some tinkering, you know, some yeah, for sure. rewriting. It's just annoying that this is like the sixth one they've done in the last like eight years. And none of them have looked particularly good. They're not really picking interesting directors or writers to like redo a lot of these. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what my family and I think Halle Bailey is really talented. All the songs that they've released so far, she sounds incredible. So I'm excited for that. I think kind of counter to your point, I think they're picking big name directors, but they're putting them in a box. They're telling them like you have to like remake this movie and we want it to be faithful enough. Like like they're they're getting good directors like David Lowry and Guy Ritchie and uh, John Favreau, but then they're telling them like well, we want you to retell a story faithfully. Like and so like and like there's like I think maybe Aladdin has gotten the most wiggle room like to to kind of change some things up, but even then that's very minor stuff that Guy Ritchie did, and oh, and they also got um, uh, what's the guy? What's the guy that did um, um, shoot, um, Zemeckis, Pinocchio. Uh, I mean, Zemeckis at one point was a good poll. I don't know that he's a really good poll anymore, but um, the oh, jeez, what movie? I, I, I lost it. I don't even remember. I'll I'll come up with it. But like, they got Branagh to do the Cinderella one. Um, yeah, well, that one's uh, good. Yeah, yeah, that, that was one fine. Pretty solid. That was genuinely uh, good. Uh, oh, uh, it, it, and look, so I haven't seen the movie, and I never will. But like, you gotta admit that like Tim Burton wasn't a bad choice for Dumbo. Like, and he's a good, like he's a he's a good and well respected filmmaker. Uh, we just, you know, it was they well, put him in like the box. Zemeckis, he was. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, what's what has he really done recently? Like, I'm trying to think. think really like, I like I. Well, Tim Burton, he's done Wednesday, the biggest show ever. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I like Wednesday. Well, I was thinking, like, what movies has he done recently? I'm, I'm struggling to think of one yeah, I don't know. since, I mean, besides Dumbo, since Sweeney Todd. Like, I'm sure there's been a couple in there. Or did he do, like, did he do, like, the Into the Woods or? Oh, he did the Alice in Wonderland no. ones. <laughs> Into the Woods was Rob Marshall. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, anyway, like, yeah, point, point being, like, uh, I, I think they have gotten high caliber, but... It doesn't matter because they don't let them do their thing. So David um, Lowry did his thing, and it just still wasn't good. So I don't, I don't know what to think anymore. That's fair. That's fair. Um, 
I'm gonna go with um, wait and see how my what my friends say. So that like if if that like that's kind of a new one that we added. Otherwise, I'd go you know maybe streaming um, because I think there is some things to like about this. I think um, Melissa McCarthy, Javier Bardem, and Halle Bailey are really great choices. Um, and so far, what I've seen, I really like from them. But I just don't know that like. I know, like, I hate to to kind of harp on this train, but it's like, do we need this? And um, and and like Caleb said, it doesn't look particularly visually impressive. Um, so, um, you know, <laughs> it's hard to get excited about that. Then, you know, it's not like James Cameron's The Little Mermaid or whatever. You know, that would be <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that. Like, I'm I'm immediately a lot more interested in that, um, but. Because then he could just, you know, blatantly rip off source material as opposed to, you know, sneakily. <laughs> um, We're not going to have any of that here. Um, <laughs> like, like Caleb brought up, the only thing that I think is interesting, and you brought it up too, but is the casting. Um, like, I've seen, I've, I don't know anyone who's had this reaction, but I've there's been like compilations of what Caleb was talking about with his sister. Um, so that's great. Uh, but at the same time, I, it's Disney doing a live action remake and it's, I don't know how materially it's going to change the story or the outcome. Um, so just looking at it through, they're making this movie like the way they're making it. I don't think it's going to be very good, but at the same time, I do respect that people need to see themselves. And, um, I've seen and heard the reactions that people have had. So I think that is good. But apart from that. I don't really see any value in it. Well, and I might defend my uh, this movie doesn't really need to be made argument just a little bit by saying I think out of the like Disney classics, this one has some of the worst messaging out of the original films. So, yeah, that's what I was saying. This has been they were only doing like remaking this one. I'd be like, all right, yeah, you can make it a little more empowering to women where she's not just giving up her voice for a man, you know, try to rework some of that. But yeah, the fact that this is like the seventh one in the line and there's plans for like three more after this they're basically just remaking every single movie they've ever made it, it yep. yeah it gets old really fast yeah i'm not gonna see it in a the theater i'll i'll check it out at some point but yeah i mean I, I hope i hope like every movie that it comes out and people are like holy crap that was amazing and then i'll still probably wait for disney plus but unless my wife convinces me to go but um yeah let's uh talk about uh, a very similar movie the machine um burt kirshner's uh, Kreischer. movie Kreischer. Sorry. Um, I was trying to wing it and not and, and say it before. I. <laughs> My favorite part is when of the little mermaid is when, uh, Ariel does drugs with the Russian mafia. Oh yeah. Cool. Uh, spo- <laughs> spoilers. Um, uh, Bert's drunken past catches up with him 20 years down the road when he and his father are kidnapped, uh, by those Bert wronged 20 years ago while drunk on a college semester abroad in Russia. This is, uh, um, uh, directed by Pete uh, Atencio. Um, I should try to pronounce these before recording. Um, Kevin Beagle and uh, Scotty Landis. Starring Mark Hamill, Martin Ford, um, Jimmy Tarto, and uh, Burt Kreischer. So, again, other faces you might know. Some names, things like that. Uh, the Machine. What do you think about this one? Um, same thing, same scale. Theaters, Rent stream wait for reactions or just not interested uh caleb let's start with you for this one um i mean i'm not this one doesn't like 
pique my interest particularly, but I'll wait for reactions. If people say that it was like better than it was expected, then I'll, I'll view it like if it gets released on a streaming. I don't plan on seeing this in theaters at all because, uh, I mean, Burt Kreischer's is not my like type of – my preferred type of like stand-up comedian um and no hate to people that find him really funny um it, you know he has his moments but it's just not he's just not somebody that i look at and be like man i can't wait to see them in a, a movie you know so i'm not particularly excited about this one but like i said if the reviews are more positive than i think they will be and people say like oh it's actually kind of funny it's actually pretty funny then i'll check it out if it gets dropped on like a streaming service later this year uh, I'll go next. I'll say I'm not interested. Um, just like you mentioned, Caleb, Burt Kreischer's just not really my kind of comedian, especially like his stand up. Like I've seen that machine clip a couple of times and like I think he's got very funny situations, but like he's his comedy relies in the things that are happening, not necessarily like the way he says or uh, like the way he says it or even like the the things that he like does as an aside or like um, the the overall like structure narrative like it's just like it's a funny thing that happened to him and he's going up there and 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 telling it um and, and so like that's why like I, I think like this particular story might have worked better just as a movie like separate from a standalone thing if you would have been able to you know to turn that machine story into a into a movie like that might have been a, a, a better route um for me but especially like because it's now a viral joke and they're making a sequel a fantasy sequel to a joke. Um, I'm not interested. Robert? See, I am I feel the opposite. Um, I like that <laughs> clip a lot. I think it's really funny. And I like his uh, delivery and kind of his stage presence for that clip, for that joke at least. But I think the movie is kind of a bad idea. <laughs> like, I don't think it looks funny at all. <laughs> no, um, so. no, that's the other thing too. The movie doesn't look funny at all. <laughs> I am in um, Rent just because I really like the story and like his... Like his his delivery of the joke and apparently i'm i'm not even a big burt kreischer fan but i do enjoy him from time from time to time i've seen a couple of his specials um part of me is just fascinated by the fact that his persona is simultaneously like the party guy who is never sober and a wife guy with two (laughs) teenage daughters like i don't know how to reconcile those two things (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um i'm just kind of fascinated about that but in terms of the movie i just like this just looks kind of bad and ill-advised but good for him i guess for getting it made apparently he wanted to have it made for a long time and he got mark hamill on board so Mm -hmm. hey more power to him uh we're also talking about this on the review roundup so i will be seeing it fun uh, one more to talk about then about my father, the newest Robert De Niro uh, film also has um, Leslie Bibb, Kim Cattrall, Seb- Sebastian uh, Maniscalco, uh, Anders Holm, um, and like a decent amount of like funny people in this. Um, so um, it's got, let's uh, darn it. Now I'm blanking. Caleb, what's the guy from not Frank, but the other guy on succession? Carl. Yeah, Carl. Carl. Yeah, he's in this. He's in that? Rashi. Yeah. No way. My guy. Nice. Yeah. Uh, when Sebastian tells his old school Italian immigrant father, Salvo, that he is going to propose to his all-American girlfriend, Salvo insists on crashing a, a weekend with her parents. Uh, what do you guys think about this one? Um, Robert, we're going to start with you. Same scale. I have it on streaming, which is lower than rent, right? Yes. Yeah. Because rent still implies you would pay money specifically to see this one. Streaming sure. is... Yeah. If, if it's free, you're yeah, free. Yeah. 
quotes. Yeah. Um, the only reason I know this even exists is because for some reason they've shown a trailer in front of every movie that I've seen for like the past yep. two months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, doesn't look terrible it doesn't look good but it's like you know what if i was up at 11 30 one night and i wanted to not go to bed and watch a movie i maybe could do worse um besides that eh. i'm pretty much exactly with you it's been in front of most movies i've seen for the last couple months like even like in front of john wick and i'm like what like yeah (laughs) um and uh it, it looks harmless. It looks totally fine. It looks like something that I'm not gonna like go out of my way to spend money on. But like, if if this was like a day and day release, I would happily put it on HBO Max, you know, the, or Netflix or whatever it came out like day one or whatever. Um, De Niro doesn't but, look bored. Is like kind of what yeah. is selling me oddly. <laughs> yeah, and like it was one of those two. I think the first time I tra- saw the trailer, I was like, oh, completely not interested. But like the more I've seen that trailer, the more I'm like. I, this is actually like kind of funny. I think, I think one of the other things too was this was paired like back to back. The first time I ever saw it with like a with a Mafia Mama trailer, and I was like, oh, that oh. was like like they're kind of similar, but that one looked a little bit more fun than this one, at least Mafia a little Mama more. I mean, this is this is clearly just another like meet the parents kind of thing. You know, it's yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, but it, yeah, it looks harmless. It looks fun. So why not stream, Caleb? What about you? Yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat. It reminds me a little bit of like, like he did that Dirty Grandpa movie like five or six years ago, and it felt like he was just like doing the comedy route because he was uh, looking for something to do. Maybe needed some more money. This seems like it'll be a little better than that movie, which isn't very hard because that movie wasn't that great. Um, so yeah, I'll go streaming. Like, kind of like Robert said, if I'm bored one night, I see it on there. I probably turn it on. I could probably pick worse movies on whatever service it ends up on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Um, cool. Well, that'll take care of that. Uh, quick chance you've gotten to hear from Robert and Caleb about a couple of things. So uh, if you want to hear more thoughts from them, where can people find you? Let's Caleb, let's start with you. Um, I'm on Twitter. I tweet about movies a lot. Uh, Real KLW on Twitter and then on Letterboxd as well. Uh, I've got a link to my Letterbox on my Twitter also. And I guess Instagram too. I'm on Instagram. Caleb underscore 50 on Instagram. Uh, Robert. Underscore Rob's thoughts on Twitter, where I tweet about movies and sports and succession. And uh, Robert's thoughts on Letterboxd and the Sif Pop Writers Room feed twice mm-hmm. a month on this episode and on the review roundup. Ooh. I'm really excited for that review. I'm just dying to like, especially now that we're a mo- almost a month removed from Guardians. I'm really excited to hear your thoughts I know. on that. So. I, <laughs> I'm, I need to like... Re- rework how I do it because I'm like forgetting how I felt about Guardians and I might go see it again. Yeah, I I'm wanting to see it again, but it's mostly because I didn't get my wife to take it, and so we went and saw a movie on Sunday, and I said, "Do you want to go see Fast and Furious or um, Guardians?" And she said, "I'm in, I'm more in the mood for the ones that, the one that's not going to make me feel so <laughs> Fast and Furious." So you um, went with Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, which is a good segue to say that uh, patreon.com slash if you're interested in extra bonus content and other fun things like early episodes um, if you um, are a ten dollar up you get early you get exclusive reviews for any new release that i see so i recorded a 20 minute um, fast x review thing which i think there was more thought put into that than there was put into the entire actual two and a half hour movie so um I'll give yeah. my rebuttal to that on the review roundup. I I'm ready to be attacked for my fast and furious really? love. Ooh. I, 
Well, Heath gave it a three in his review, and Alice was like, "Wait, you're making me see this." <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on on the defensive. I look my thoughts in summary boil down to Jason Momoa is the only thing worth seeing in this movie, but he like steals it. He he is worth watching the movie for. Um, but yeah, and and specifically. I think that the very like the last scene, like pre credits, is one of the worst things I think this franchise has ever done, if not the worst thing the franchise has ever done. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, maybe I'm not well, looking forward to the review. <laughs> I actually haven't seen Fast X, but I'm like ready. I'm going probably tonight. Oh. I'm yeah. I'm I'm just ready to defend the franchise because Heath is. I've been re- like rewatching them and reading Heath's reviews on Letterboxd, and like he's been crapping on them since six. And then he like to the uh, he did not like X, so I don't think I'm gonna really like X. But I'm also ready to be defensive about like some of the choices. Oh, the fr- the franchise no, I, as a whole is is fine. That's, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if I have to completely eat my words. So <laughs> let's see. No, I, was, I thought you were saying you really liked Fast X, and I was like, but you're saying you haven't seen it. You no, the franchise itself is fine. Um, like it's, even it's through not, nine, I think it's still fine. Is what I'm trying ooh, to. Ooh. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Ooh. So oh, this is where you can listen to me. <laughs> I like seven and eight. I still haven't seen nine, so I haven't. I I need to see nine before I go see ten. I plan on doing you, that. You need week, to see but, nine before ten, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I like seven and eight still. Yeah, I, I also, I'm with Robert. I'll defend this franchise as dumb as it is. Like this was yeah, it's fine. So like, important to me in high school and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So like I am loyal till they stop making these. I'm loyal to them. I, uh, I I kind of also made the comment in the in the Patreon review that um, it's um, it, it's it's just so disappointing because like we've seen that they can make these movies really good with like Fast Five and in my opinion Six is really great, um, but uh, the but like the fact that they keep on coming out with like three star movies you know when they have made four and a half star movies you know. Um, Right, so they're three star movies and not one and a half, is what yeah, I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think nine is a nine is a one star movie, but yeah, I think like, nine is a three still. Yeah. Fate Fate <laughs> is way um, underrated. It's still not good, but it's way like people poo pooed on it too much. Um, sure. I really liked it in theaters, and then I saw it again. I'm like, oh, this isn't this isn't fun. <laughs> anyway, um, speaking of comedic Robert De Niro. Yep. Yep, speaking of comedic Robert, <laughs> King of Comedy is our goat this week. Robert, do you know, like, I think I think it was this against After Hours, wasn't it? Like, we wanted to throw Scorsese in there. I genuinely don't remember. Okay. It was either that or this against, because I, I, I don't think we would have done Taxi Driver, because you specifically said you don't want movies that I have seen before. You want it to be one of us has never seen it, not right. saw it 10 years ago. So I think it was this versus After Hours, and as much as I wanted After Hours to win, it didn't. Um because I don't, I don't know, because I feel like people have talked about the King of Comedy and I feel like people have recently started to talk about After Hours. Like, I know I've heard a lot more since you mentioned you watched it, Robert, and you it was one of your favorite Scorsese movies. Mm-hmm. But like I just watched um, uh, an interview that James Gunn and Sean Gunn did the other day and he credited that as one of his favorite like movies of all time. So like oh, really? um, so or, or maybe one of his influences or something. It was one of the two. Um, but it's oh, great. Um, but like he specifically mentioned after hours. Um, so like, yeah, I, uh, I, I think, but I think I was more excited to see that one. And this movie is just inherently linked a lot with the Joker, which is a movie that I dislike the more I think about that movie and 
just like the more times I watch that movie. So um, real quick synopsis for the King of Comedy is um, Rupert uh, Rupert Pup- Pupkin is a – you always get it wrong, right? What's what's the thing that he says? Like they – You spell it wrong, get it wrong. It's okay. I've, I've, I've heard it all. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Rupert Pupkin is a passionate yet unsuccessful comic who craves nothing more than to be in the spotlight and to achieve this. He stalks, kidnaps his idol and takes the spotlight for himself. This is directed by Martin Scorsese, written by – Hmm? Who among us? <laughs> uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Paul D. Zimmerman, starring Robert De Niro and Jerry Lewis, uh, Sandra Bar- uh, Bernhardt, um, uh, Diane Abbott, uh, Ed Hearley. Trying to think, there's a couple of like cameos in there, but uh, like um, I saw that like Liza Minnelli plays Liza Minnelli in there. So. I don't think she was in it. It was just her cardboard cutout, right? I was to say, her cutout. He talks to her cutout a lot. Well, I was like, I don't remember seeing her. So it must have just been she's, – she's still credited. So. so they probably had to get her permission to use her cutout and stuff. Probably. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was it was in enough and it was like active in the scene. So I guess that must have been – Yeah, he had a whole yeah. voice for her and everything. Yeah. Must have been worthy enough of a credit. I, I thought maybe I just missed something. Uh, but uh, – King of Comedy. Um, let's talk about why this would be considered in this potential goats category. It is a 7.8 on IMDb. Not quite enough to crack the top 250, but that's still pretty impressive. Um, this is a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 4.1 on Letterboxd. Um, this has no Oscar nominations, which shocked me. Um, but it did get a decent amount of BAFTA nominations. We have uh, Best Actor for De Niro, Best Supporting Actor for Jerry Lewis, Best Editing, Best Direction. Uh, and it won Best Original Screenplay at the BAFTAs. This is on AFI's Best Film of the 80s, ranked to number 10. This is on 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die mm-hmm. and on New York Times Guide to the Best Thousand Movies Ever Made. This is number 87 on Empire's 500 Greatest Movies of All Time. Uh, Akira Kurosawa, Steve Carell, and Bennett M- Miller all cited uh, this movie as a personal favorite. Uh, not, necessarily, not necessarily like their favorite, but like among their favorites. Um, and uh, Carell also used this film for inspiration for John E. Dupont in Foxcatcher, which I haven't seen, but um, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I thought would be worth noting. Um, and of I haven't course, seen it since it came out, but I remember it being very different than King of Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he just means like the 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 actor, the act, the acting, the. But like, yeah, it's it, it, it's it, still very different. It's a more like subdued, isn't it? Like it's a more like low yeah. energy performance, yeah. right? So. Um, anyway, um, but like anytime Akira Kurosawa says a film is one of his favorites, like that's oh, yeah. absolutely worth noting. Uh, and then, of course, this movie is the inspiration for Todd Phillips's Joker movie, which, <laughs> you know, also has a Scorsese production. Like, I don't like it just at this point, these two movies are kind of linked hand in hand in pop culture world. And that's kind of a shame. Um, so uh, real quick, your history uh, with the movie or if you have no history, why you're excited to watch it. Caleb, let's start with you. Um, actually, when I uh, volunteered to do this episode, I had never even seen it, but I've been meaning to watch it, and I figured this would give me a good excuse to watch it. So I just watched it for the first mm-hmm. time, like maybe a month, month or two ago, in preparation for this. I was like, I, I need to watch this before I, you know, appear on the episode. Uh, so I mean, I had heard the, you know, so obviously I saw Joker before I saw this, and I had heard mm-hmm. all the comparisons when I, you know, seeing Joker and the lead up to Joker and then, you know, the lead, like following Joker when it did its awards run and stuff. Um, and then I saw this and I really understood how similar they were and how, why people were like freaking out when Robert De Niro was in the Joker and uh, stuff like that. 
Uh, so that's my history. Like I, like I said, I, first time watch this year. One of my favorite first time watches I've had this year. Nice. Uh, Robert. Uh, yeah, I, I saw it. This is my second time seeing it. I saw it for the first time a few years ago. Um, and I really liked it. And I thought, hey, it's worth talking about with uh, possibly the best De Niro performance. One of the best. I don't know. I haven't seen some of his more acclaimed roles, but like this is different than you normally see. So uh, on top of being a slightly actually, no, it's very 80s Scorsese, but like on top of being different from what people think of him as being now also having the same descriptor for a De Niro performance is definitely worth talking about to me. What, what do you think is De Niro's best performance? Uh, that's the thing like, is that I like taxi driver and raging bull have to be up there, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, probably raging bull. Right. I mean, that feels like the easy answer, but like, I don't know. He's so good in raging bull. Dirty grandpa. Yeah. Dirty I mean, grandpa for sure. I low key think he's incredible in silver linings playbook. Um, he's really good in that. Yeah, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's his best. Um, Especially because he's not the lead. Like he's he's got more right, of yeah. a awakenings is really really good. Yeah, he's, I mean, I, I I, really, obviously, Goodfellas has to be near. I was the about to say Goodfellas. Yeah. Heat. Oh yeah, what heat's about, a good one. What about Untouchables? Him as Al Capone. That was that was awesome. <laughs> I I I think we talked we talked about that movie, we did. right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, I didn't like his performance in that. He was just doing uh, De Niro with Capone makeup. That's kind of uh, why it was fun. That's kind of why it was great. <laughs> unironically, uh, Stardust is is up there. Godfather Two. What's I was about to say, Godfather Two has to be in there. Mean Streets. Yeah. Well, yeah, the introduction anyway, to him. This yeah. is like this is really because I feel like it could be like four or five from from that list of things that we rattled off. Um, but like, I'd what's really- interesting to me is all of those are similar ish. Yeah. Um, like, in a, a same a similar energy at least. And that's also why I just gravitate towards like Stardust or Awakenings or Camp Comedy because it's a different path. Sure. I think that'd be a really, really interesting question. Um, what is like, yeah, because I feel like any of you could answer any of those and any of them would be the correct answer, um, you know, on, on what is De Niro's best or what is your definitely what is your favorite would be different. But what is De Niro's best? So anyway, um uh yeah i i didn't see this i was excited to see it because it's i mean it's all of scorsese's older like this is among scorsese's older you know considered classics you know this and raging bull and after hours and um mean streets and um goodfellas and all that and i'd seen some of them and yeah i I would like to see all of them at some point um so um and this is also frequently cited as one of De Niro's best films. Um, so sure, why not? And um, and I think also this is this winds up being on a lot of people's list for like best, like one scene, like the the ending scene, the monologue. Um, I mm-hmm. think which is what inspired the B plot. So um, yeah, uh, just excited for. I mean, I'm also excited for any movie that holds above a four on Letterboxd. So um let's do our ratings um do you like it love it hate it dislike it or think it's just okay caleb start let's start with you uh i really love this one i've um do we usually rate it like out of 10 or what do you just just like it love it hate it dislike it think oh, it's just okay yeah, i love it i yeah. really love this movie <laughs> yep uh i mean if you want you can give an out of 10 but uh i gave it a nine out of 10 got it um but it, it's also kind of like if you do those five categories it should fall in line with a you know, two star limit. So, yeah, uh, Robert, where do you land? I think I'm in the exact same place. I, I think I love it. Nine out of ten. 
Nice. Um, I really like it. Um, I don't know that I'm quite ready to commit to love. Why do but I you really hate like the it. king of comedy? <laughs> yeah, I hate it so much um, <laughs> because um, reasons. No, uh, no, there's there's not there's not a lot to like pick negatively about this movie. I don't know. I just. Uh, um, I think I think it's one of those movies that like I will love like the more I watch it, but be like I I've gotten to the point where like I don't I, I try to do my best to not know anything about going into a movie, especially like King mm-hmm. of Comedy, where it's one that I've heard so much about, but I really didn't know next to anything about, and so um, like I didn't really know what to expect, and and then and and the movie starts, and um, there it's one of those where it kind of plays with like you. You can see what um, what Rupert is thinking um, and what mm-hmm. he is imagining, and so you. But you understand, like you can also understand, like this can't be reality, can it? And the movie like wants you to think that way, and so like it's it, it's kind of confusing on the like it, it. Ultimately, I think where we leave off is like I th- I think I know what is meant to be reality and what is not, except for the final scene. I think is meant to be kind of a mix of both um but uh, like i don't think it, it is entirely reality or entirely fictionalized but a fantasy but um I, I i think there's some things about the movie that just got a little confusing for me and then by the end i was like oh yeah all right cool yeah that, that all makes sense and um maybe just just kind of not really knowing what the movie was or anything going into it i expected it to be like a lot a lot funnier. It's not a funny movie. Really? I completely disagree. I I was laughing the well, whole time. I mean, I meant I meant to say I thought it would be more a comedy than it was a stalker film. It it has a lot of really funny moments. It has a, like I think it's and, a comedy. Okay. Um, it's probably the funniest De Niro's ever been. Yeah. Maybe like, and, and a lot of it is just like some of his mannerisms and the way he just like responds or like the way watching other characters respond to his character is hilarious in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like when he won't get out of the waiting room at Jerry's office, like mm-hmm. the first time is hilarious because there's all these people just like panicking and see, walking around him and he's just like sitting there. It's so funny. See, that's like one of the scenes I think uh, like I thought about where I'm like, look, it's it's situationally funny. It's because it's uncomfortable. It's like right. Uh, so it's, it's funny. I know. Yeah. But also, like, I guess I guess I just think of it more as like uncomfortable humor, not necessarily like like I didn't laugh out loud, but I was like, oh, 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 oh. So when they chase him through the hallways, is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. like, there's, like, there's like five or six grown men like running when, in suits, like when, when they Scooby Doo it. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> the, yeah, the Scooby Doo uh, shot was my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Or like when he's like, oh, I'll, I'll sit and wait. And she's like, she like he's negotiating by just saying he's gonna sit and wait. And then yeah. when she finally says like, like, we'll look at it tomorrow. Okay, great, <laughs> good. And it's just like the way he stands <laughs> up and changes his demeanor. Well, like I really look at, I really liked the scene where where he holds Jerry hostage and he's like got the cards up, and then like some of them are out of order, and like yeah. obviously Jerry knows what he wants Tim to say, but he's like cards upside down, like <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> cards backwards, like <laughs> you know, like it's. That's like a very uh, typical comedic setup where like this the cards are wrong or out of order yeah. or backwards or upside down or whatever, but the way that he does it and then like he switches it and still drops the card, it's just really good physical comedy, like Caleb was saying. Um, yeah. I guess Aaron, you're I'm right. I, I, what, I just it, I, I guess I guess you're right. It is more of a comedy than anything, but it's also like a, 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 it's a dark comedy. 
yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it's like the hangover or something, but it's <laughs> that was accidentally a Todd Phillips reference. But um, <laughs> I'm curious what what exactly confused you? No, I think like the where we see the scenes of him um, talking with Jerry and uh, and he's like, I need you to take over the show for like six weeks or whatever. I'm like, this isn't reality. And like and then I think it's very clearly set up as it's not. And it gives it the run. Right. It's just. Um, well, it cuts back to him by himself. Right. 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 It does. Um, I. And then his mom is yelling down the stairs and is I, like, what are you doing? I, I wasn't sure whether it was supposed to be we're seeing glimpses in the future or if it's like a time jump. And then it was like I was just it, it, it felt almost like a little bit of whiplash to me. But like, I think that's we're supposed to be seeing what he believes, what he thinks, what he what he imagines, what he fantasizes. And so, yeah, I, was like, well, I, say, it, I think the beauty of it was, it it was confusing we don't in know the moment sure. to me. And then later I was like, oh, no, that makes total sense. So, like, it was just one of those, like, in the moment I was like, is this kind of like, I mean, kind of like we were just talking about a little early about Barry season four. Like, there's a lot of times where we see things. I'm like, I'm not sure if this is a flashback or a flash forward or like a fantasy that Barry's having. Like, mm-hmm. and, but then five minutes later, you know, oh, it's it, it was that. Um, so, but but then it just like was enough to, to distract me. But, uh, um, yeah, this is kind of a hallmark of 80 Scorsese where he has like these characters who are kind of living somewhat mundane lives and kind of feel like they deserve more or they want there to be more. I know you haven't seen after hours, but it like, it's very similar where um, he's just kind of the, the De Niro character here, Pupkin, he is trying to make something happen because he's 34 and he's not really done anything with his life. Uh, he right. lives in his mom's basement and has a shrine to Jerry Lewis or Jerry Langford. Um, so he's sort of developing these delusions of grandeur. He feels like he deserves this sort of fame when in reality, like he's kind of funny, you know, like it's not a bad was, set. Was, it wasn't a disaster, but he's, he's I was going to ask, were you guys surprised when the set was actually like kind of funny? Like I was completely taken aback because I realized about like a th- two thirds of the movie. I'm like, we've not seen him like make jokes like, but Right. But that's kind of the thing. It doesn't really matter whether or not he's funny because there's the one scene where he's standing there and it zooms out and his arms are out and he's looking at the wall of uh, a fake crowd. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the the laughter in his head, you know, that's how I interpret it, at least like he's just imagining all this laughter. It doesn't really matter what he's saying because he's not in it for the joke. He's like for the jokes. He's not in it, you know, quote unquote, for the love of the game. He's in it because he wants the fame. What what this avenue is going to bring him. Um so, yeah, the way that that works out, um, it's very much 80 Scorsese. That's kind of what he has on his mind throughout that decade. Uh, and I don't really think he has much sympathy at all for Rupert. No, no, no. Um, well, I don't think he does. But, yeah, no, I was just I was just I remember being shocked when the, when the set came out and it starts with that really bad joke that the audience then laughs at that he makes him say something about like all the writers got like were involved yeah. with a terrorist attack. Or whatever. I'm like, oh, like. Oh, this is going to be really bad. You know, this is going to be like when the Joker is like, you know, I do think that's funny that I killed people. And I'm like, oh, and then and then it like actually becomes a pretty decent set, you know, where he's like, I'm from this part of New Jersey. Anybody else? No. All right, cool. We're all safe then. Like, I was like, oh, that's a funny joke. Like, uh, mm-hmm. so uh, and then he like continues to be pretty funny. And then, uh, yeah, um, well, like, that's the thing. Some of the jokes are just kind of duds, but he's out mm-hmm. there. He's confident and he. Like he has charisma, 
but mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean he deserves this this life, this fame that he wants so badly. Mm-hmm. I think the movie's commentary on like that pursuit of fame, that pursuit of uh, of he, he like he wants to fast track his success and not right. earn it, and like that's ultimately like. It's not a problem, like, cause, cause they even say, like, Jerry's office, like, go get a show, go get booked, and we'll send somebody to check it out, like that, like mm-hmm. that's how the industry works, and that's like how the industry should work, you know, you shouldn't just, I shouldn't be able to walk onto Jimmy Fallon's show and be like, hey, um, you know, I would, I would like to, to be the new Andy Richter. I think you should fire him and, and have me be him. Um, first of all, I would be terrible at it. Second <laughs> of all, like, uh, <laughs> um, no, Andy Richter was Conan, whatever, whoever, um, I, I whatever. You get the point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I shouldn't be able to do that. Um, I shouldn't be able to just walk up to Saturday Night Live and be like, "Hey, put me on the show." Uh, no, you you go, you 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 earn the street cred, and then somebody finds you for a project like Saturday Night Live, and then you earn more reputation there, and you move on to bigger and better things. So, um, you know, it's. Uh, but but yeah, he's trying to fast track his success. He's he's so caught up in the idea of people have to like him that he's willing to do anything, including you know kidnapping and um, and and whatnot. Um, there's a uh, he's trying to impress the the bartender girl and and um, the scene the scene that really sticks out to me is the wedding scene um, in in like the middle of the movie, like just mm-hmm. kind of going for all that because like. The high school principal of all people is is doing the is doing the officiate officiating and then you like find out a little bit more about like his upbringing and whatnot and you're like oh like every, like his high school principal told him he would never amount to anything and so it's like he, he this is his fantasy saying everybody my whole life has told me that I'm not going to be anything and I want to prove so like you you understand where he's coming from but like it's you you, you understand that you kind like kind of even if he's not you know, mentally unstable, you kind of even want to root for him, but, uh, but it's one of those, that's like, he makes every wrong decision. Um, you know, so, um, I've, I've talked for a while. Somebody else talk for a th- about a thing. <laughs> if there's anything to say, I don't like, well, I was, I was giving Caleb a chance if you wanted to say anything. Oh, well I was sure. I mean, I'll talk what I mentioned earlier. Like I kind of like ambiguity, like, he tells a bunch of bad jokes at the beginning and then his set's not terrible, but you still like never truly get a sense of whether or not he's like actually a like really good comedian or not. Cause that's not what's ultimately important to him. And that's not ultimately what's like, doesn't really seem like that's what's on Scorsese's mind in this movie. Like he doesn't really care if Pupkin like to a certain extent, he doesn't really care if Pupkin's actually hilarious or actually like a good comedian. He's more interested in, like you guys talked about, like how he wants to skip a bunch of steps. He just wants to be famous. He doesn't really care like what he's famous for ultimately to like, you know, he kidnaps uh, Lankford or whatever and basically does whatever it takes to try to get famous. And that's more like what what's on the movie's mind, which I admire a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the very opening is also worth talking about. You know, the the uh, title reveal, the title card reveal, where it just mm-hmm. freezes on the the, the excuse me the hands on the window mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is i think it is interesting in a couple ways one that i'm i don't know it's just cool to me that they're able to freeze that frame so perfectly um and then two it's just this person who wants so badly to grasp onto the idea of fame and to the idea of a famous person she's in his car um 
But even then, even when she's like in the location where like that should be benefiting her, she has this glass window between her and Jerry. So like it, it gives you the illusion that you could reach what this guy is. Um, so there is that like illusion, but you know, if you reach too far, your hand's going to smack the window and that's really what's going to stop you. Uh, there is a difference. It's, it's almost saying like there is a difference between quote unquote us and them. I, I completely forgot about the, like the intro thing until you brought it up because I was like, it, it took forever to move on past the credits. Uh, I played the entire song. Yeah. And so I just I just forgot about it and just chalked it up to to whatever. But yeah, looking that that's really interesting. I guess I think this is gonna movie that gonna be a movie that I wind up loving. But um, yeah, I just I, I think I think just what what I was like mentally preparing for was 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 different, and I'm I'm really happy with the movie we got. I don't. Know. There's also like I think I was bringing in a lot of Joker baggage, and like look, I I understand the comparisons, and I I realize it is a direct influence, but they're still very different movies. Um, I would say like the last little chunk is similar, but that's mostly it. Um, so I, I, I think there was also don't that. remember Joker enough. Like I saw it once, what, four or five years ago. I mean, I'm there is the like, I don't really remember it. well, there is the, like he, that, you know, he gets, he gets on the show and shoots Robert De Niro. Who's the host of the show. Right. That's the one part that I do remember, but I didn't remember like yeah. the, all the setup and how similar it was. The Joker it is different because I get confirmed that Arthur Fleck is terrible at comedy. Yeah. Just like god awful at it. Because mm. that's why they um, invite him to the show because he does such a bad stand up. Yeah, I was going to say that's ultimately why he gets famous and the Joker, it's actually him realizing that that's why he's like on the show kind of is because like people are making fun of him. Uh, like, um, and, and, and there's certainly similarities in character. Like there's certainly like, uh, like they're both mentally unsound but one of them is more extreme than the other and then uh uh you know there is the desire to be famous specifically as so like there's similar things ish but like it was um i i guess i thought it was going to be more uh, like joker was gonna be more of a king of comedy ripoff um, yeah. and it I, like i was like i was surprised that it was still like different enough so um I, I think i was also just carrying in some bad energy going into it because of my disdain for joker but um yeah the um, like I said, I think this will be a movie that I wind up loving. Um, probably next time I watch it. But uh, I was trying um, to see if there was anything, um, if there was any interrogation of the character of Jerry. Uh, and I think I would have to watch it again, focusing specifically on that. But it seems to be mostly about Rupert. Like it, it doesn't give us any. Th- indication about whether Jerry Langford is actually a good late night host or a good, you know, celebrity or anything like that. It's just like, he's this guy in power or like in, in, you know, entertainment power. Um, and Rupert wants what he has, but like, does Jerry deserve what he has? Should he have given Rupert a chance? Maybe, but probably not because you don't want to encourage that kind of behavior. Because like you like we've been saying, he needs to work his way. I don't I was just trying to see if there was anything there, but I couldn't really get too far with that. There's um, the only thing is there's a com- conversation that Jerry has um, when when uh, when they go to his house and he and uh, and he's like, uh, you know, so now now that you're a big Hollywood big shot, you're all like this. And Jerry says, no, I've always been like this, but now I'm famous. So like hmm. 
that's the only thing I can think that uh, like I think we're supposed to believe that Jerry's not a good person because even like he's walking down the street and refusing to take autographs and photos and things, which like is totally his right like as a celebrity. But right. you know, he's always like I'm late for a meeting. You get the sense that he's like uh, he's really bad off the camera. Like he's not a good person. He's not somebody to well, admire. That scene, he does stop and sign the magazine. And then she's that's like, true. can you talk to my nephew on the phone? And that's where I'm thinking, like, whether or not he's a good or a bad person, he is just a person. And that's kind of how I see celebrity. It's just like, you don't need this guy to talk to your nephew. Like, you could just get a, get an autograph, say, have a nice day, or wave to the construction workers up in the building. Like, he's just a guy. We don't really need to be idolizing him in this way. And that's kind of why I... Uh, that's kind of what repels me even more from Rupert's character because he he idolizes the idea of fame so heavily also. Um, yeah, to me, Jerry kind of in that scene kind of seemed reasonable. He's just like, here's your autograph. I'm just going to keep walking. And notably, that's also where he got followed by the other character. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, there is like a little bit of a sympathetic tone occasionally for Jerry because it always shows him alone when he's like not on his show. Mm. Um, I think like maybe they were just trying to show that like fame can be isolating and fame isn't like always all it's cracked up to be. You know, Rupert is so desperate for this thing that he thinks is going to give him like all these friends and all these admirers and stuff. And uh, it does take a couple like it does take time a little bit to show, you know, Jerry has all these admirers. But when he goes back to his house, he's alone. When he's walking down the street, he's alone. You know, like uh, that's true. When he gets held hostage, it's not family members that are worried about him. It's people at work. They don't notice until he doesn't come into work the next day. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like kind of an important part to include in the movie. And I think that's like a little bit of something that Scorsese kept in there just to show that, like, you know, hint, maybe fame's not all it's cracked up to be all the time. Yeah, this is what you're working towards. Like, if you do get if you do take over his late night show, you're just going to have mm-hmm. your own stalkers. Yeah, I like that yeah. point. Uh, for the sake of time, we do need to move on. So real quick, um, is this a go? We define this by saying if you're the uh, curator of the Criterion Collection, are you adding this film? I say yes. 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 And Robert, where does this rank on your list of films that we talked about? It's we're at 50 now. We're at 50. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh, we are. Um, I have it at number six after The Graduate and before The Apartment. Um, <laughs> I had it at uh, 24, but again, the idea that it'll rock it up a lot. So that puts it like just behind um, Dr. Strangelove and M. Hmm. So I think it, I think it will grow on the list, but um, I also just, I don't know, uh, whatever on the, uh, on the next week, uh, next goat, next month goats. Um, I was going to say, I don't know. I think I'm a little bit more like easy to love something than you are, Robert. Like you're like a little, like I'm just like, sure. It entertained me. I had a good time. And you're a little bit more like, um, like I'm, I'm not trying to say that in a bad way. So I was trying to think of mm-hmm. a good. Like I, I, I'm just easy to please. Like if you look at my bell rating on Letterboxd, it's it, it, yeah. Anyway, um, on the next goats, we'll talk about Amadeus. Rowan will be joining us, so we'll do that next month. Uh, for the B plot, we are doing best ever movie endings. I think this is B. I picked this because I think um, that like last little like, like the monologue bit of uh, of King of Comedy is. Like, uh, to, I mean, to me, it elevated the movie to a, to a better point. Um, and I think it's 
really iconic for the film. So um, what are some of our favorite movie endings? We'll do this best ever challenge style, number five to number one with Trump rules. So if you have it higher, make sure to Trump it and we'll talk about it whenever whoever has it the highest. And then we'll do some honorable mentions at the end. Um, Caleb, why don't you kick us off? Oh, gosh. Um, Alrighty. Uh, number five, um, this might be a controversial pick because I know not everybody loves this movie, but Dark Knight Rises, the ending of Dark Knight Rises. I I am in the field that likes that movie more than others, but I really do like the way it ended the trilogy. I thought I, I love that ending. I still – and to me – the ending of that movie makes that and Tom Hardy's performance makes the rest of the movie worth worth it as, you know, probably a little overdrawn as it is and a little mumbled as it is in terms of plot. But the ending of that movie always pays off for me every time I watch it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree. I've I've. I do. Up and down. Uh, <laughs> I've had an up and down relationship with Nolan over the years, but I do love that ending. I'll probably no, same. You know, I'm not like the biggest Nolan head, and yeah. But that ending alone, to me, like I said, makes the movie worth it. I think it ends the trilogy really well too. I when when I was like in high school, I thought The Dark Knight Rises was the best movie I'd ever seen. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I think I've, I'm the same way. <laughs> I've moved on a little bit, but I don't know. I'm probably I gonna have to. It when I saw it in theaters. <laughs> I'm going to have to reckon with that again when I rewatch some stuff before Oppenheimer. So I'm ready for another existential crisis. My number five, <laughs> uh, we've mentioned it a couple of times. Also, I could not make this list. So this is not a real list for me. It's just a few really good ones that I thought of. Um, Got it. And that's After Hours. Um, since you haven't seen it, I'm not going to say what it is, but it's got a good ending. <laughs> cool. My number five is The Last Jedi. Um, you know, to me, the real ending for the Skywalker saga. Broomboy, um, yeah, Broomboy. Um, I, I just love what that ending means. Like, it just tears down so much, like, like so much of what like limits Star Wars. I just, I love how it, it's Ryan Johnson giving Star Wars back to the fans, and it's, you know, saying you don't have to be somebody to be a Jedi. You know, you, a nobody could be, you know, the the next. I I just love it. I think it's great. And Rise of Skywalker. But she sucks. has purple hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I tried to think of this in terms of final scene specifically. So yeah, Broom Boy um, would be would be it. Um, so um, okay, uh, number four uh, same order. Caleb. Yep. Okay, I'm kind of like Robert. This is like a, a not an official list. It's just like some ones that I that stuck out to me. Number four for me is Toy Story three. Yeah, it's still hits pick. me emotionally every time I watch it. It's my favorite Toy Story in the series. Honestly, you know, whether you're a fan of Toy Story 4 or not, I'm personally not. I didn't think it needed to be made because I think 3 ends perfectly. I think the last scene in Toy Story 3 is just really beautiful and uh, I love it. So, yeah, absolutely. Me too. Uh, on a similar uh, note, uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Oh. <laughs> 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 Yeah, great pick. I, I don't know. I just wanted to throw some variety in there, and that's uh, yeah, it's a good one. Yep. I'm not um, going to say the word because this is a family <laughs> podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I have Schindler's List at number four. I think the combination of um, the the I could have saved one more, and then the the mm-hmm. like over the credit scene of of all the survivors that he saved um, playing flowers on his grave, I think is just beautiful. So. Um, yeah, worth worth talking about. Absolutely. Um, number threes. 
Okay, this is maybe like a outside the box pick, and I probably have it too high, but Napoleon Dynamite. The tetherball scene, the tetherball scene with the promise playing in the background. I love it. Incredible. You know what? I should have had that as number one. I still love it. (laughs) I I just think it sums up the movie. I don't really know. I just love I love that movie. It's still one of my favorites. When I saw it in junior high, I I was like, you know, I was one of those kids that like made it my whole personality for. For the next like six months or whatever, I thought I was like the best thing I'd ever seen, and I still I haven't seen it's a lot of movies that I like better than that one. So uh, I love that ending, and I love that song. So that that's really the main thing. I really love the, that song and the way they used it. So I got that one. Mm-hmm. Want to play me? Um, <laughs> mine is probably recency bias, but it's After Sun. I finally got to watch oh. it again because A twenty four finally released their special edition blu-ray which i bought for 35 dollars the moment it was announced nice. but, um, uh, i don't normally spend that much money on blu-rays but i had to for this one uh yeah it's a great ending it's freaking devastating i yeah man i i almost get emotional just thinking about it yeah this was this was going to be an honorable mention for me because i mm-hmm. i had it on my short list is why yeah that movie is oh so good do you do you also feel devastated by the fact that it sounds like the MCU is about to to derail um, what's his name Paul Mezcal's career? <laughs> oh, because it sounds he? like he's he's the front runner for Johnny Storm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just wish he would make more movies like After Sun, but you yeah. know he's already lined up for Gladiator two. So for number three, I have La La Land. Um, the epilogue combined with um, you know me and Sebastian at Seb's uh, is uh, is just great, and I've I've really appreciated the ending more and more uh, as time goes by. And Robert wrote a great piece about it for Sip Pop like a couple of years ago. That was the on yeah, the contrary, right? Yeah, the it was that in Eternal Sunshine, right? No, it was Moneyball. No, oh yeah, that's it. Um, I don't remember what Eternal Sunshine was paired with. Oh, but was it uh, Magnolia? I anyway, point is, um, search La La Land on the website and find Roberts on the contrary. It's a great piece um, and really helped me appreciate that ending more, which was already something that I really appreciated, but just took it to the next level. Uh, number twos, same order. Caleb, let's go. Well, you guys just mentioned it, um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, I thought of, this was an honorable mention I for me. love that movie. It's beautiful. The ending is beautiful. Uh, yeah. It's just great. It's just a great way to end that movie. I, as I'm watching that movie the first time, I was just like the whole, like, as the movie started winding down, I was just like, how is he going to land this? And uh, he, he landed it perfectly. It's an amazing ending. Well, since we're on the topic, uh, I paired it with Memento. I just mm. searched real quick. Um, yeah. I'll have to re- uh, reread that. I don't remember what it, <laughs> what it says. Uh, my number two is Moneyball. Uh Mm. One of my favorite movies of all time. It yeah. re, not recontextualizes, but it uh, cements that the context of the whole story should be a human, personal, small one, and not like whether or not they won the World Series. Um, my dad hates the ending because the song says you're such a loser, dad, and he feels personally offended by it. But uh, I, I really love it. Yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, I have whiplash for number two. Um, that final confrontation between Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons, um, especially because it's Is like number one Babylon. No, just counting down. Uh, okay, maybe <laughs> best best intro forty five minute sequences ever. Um, I do love uh, that one. Yeah, uh, it's actually First Man. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, um, the uh, no, I love the 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 standoff, especially because like you go into it and you're like, oh, this is gonna be like a good redemption, and then you know J.K. Simmons screws him over, and and then you're like, oh man, like this is devastating, and then you just see him stick it to the man, and like you can see these two like they're dueling, but they're in a public place, so they can't like actually like duel, and then like that their hatred for each other winds up like bonding them together, like at the at the end, it's uh. With their hatred for each other because they're trying to, you know, he's trying to make him better. And you like get this realization, like he's there, he's finally there. Let's go! And I, I love that ending. I think it's so good. Um, and a drum solo. So you know, as a drummer, uh, number ones. Let's go, uh, Caleb. Alrighty, uh, this is one of my favorite movies ever. It's probably my favorite ending ever, The Truman Show. Hmm. Yeah, that whole last scene. I think the like the way the stairs are like it's beautifully shot and it's just like the perfect ending to that movie. I, I love that movie so much and I really love how they ended it. So very nice. Did Good you guys pick. watch Jury Duty? I did. Yeah. No. Did you think of Truman Show? I did. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um. Anyway, don't want to derail us too much. Uh, Aaron, you can guess my number one. I'm sure. Probably if I had time. Um. I mean, what what haven't I mentioned yet? Oh my god, Return of the King. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I'll, I'll let yeah. that speak for itself. Which which ending? Which one of the 45 endings? Hey, I that's like the laziest uh, the joke. laziest criticism and joke of that movie. I've heard it 25,000 times and I, it's just like there's I, so many things that need to wrap up and it, <laughs> I saw something the other day that made me so happy and it was the it was this film theory that um, Frodo doesn't know Legolas's name mm-hmm. because he never likes the only time they ever interact is is at the um, Elrond and then at the end um, Frodo was calling everybody's name he's like Sam Gimli and then when Legolas shows up he's just like Oh, like <laughs> I love that theory that he doesn't know like Alyssa's name. <laughs> My number one is Cinema Paradiso. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's great uh, and worth being number one on this list. Uh, m- movies that I also had on this list and honorable mentions that didn't get talked about are Arsenic and Old Lace, um, Coda, Jojo Rabbit, um, The Mist, Gone Baby Gone. Uh, which probably would have made the the list if it was like just like ending in general, but I went with ending scene, which I still really love. I think that would be my number six. Planet of the Apes, Arrival, and Another Round. Did you guys have any other ones that you had listed that were did not quite make your top five? Haven't been mentioned yet. Um, I Django Unchained. Oh yeah. Uh, Palm Springs also. Mm-hmm. And Soul. Soul's a good one. Oh, shoot, that's oh, a great and one. the Green Knight. Green Knight. Oh, gosh. That's my number three, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Robert, did you have any others? Um, Yeah, Remember Me, uh, The Sun, uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Yeah, those are are some of my best honorable mentions. Also, Paddington 2. Yeah, that's another good one I was considering. Nice. Are you you serious? No, you're not serious. Remember Me? Oh, yeah. When it's a twist that he's actually on in one of the twin right. towers on 9-11, that's the best thing ever. The sun. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Was, I've never seen a better franchise wrap-up like, than that. I was like, I know you're a hater for for Rise of Skywalker, too. So I, was like, eh, I don't know the other two movies, but yeah. Uh. <laughs> the sun is from last year. It's terrible. Okay. Oh, the the sun, oh. like the, the father spiritual sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Quiet Place 2. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a quiet place one could legitimately be on the list. Um, I disagree. 
<laughs> let's wrap up with the spinoff. I know Caleb's got to get going here soon, so let's start with you. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture you really want to tell everybody to check out or to stay away from? Uh, check out Silo on Apple TV if you're not watching it. It's hmm. just really good post-apocalyptic sci-fi. We don't get a lot of good ones of that. It, and uh, it's just letting Rebecca Ferguson and uh, letting Rebecca Ferguson cook, basically. Um, she's incredible. And the rest of the cast is stacked. Like Tim Robbins is like the fifth guy in the cat listed in the cast. And he's Tim Robbins. If that tells you anything right. about how many, there's like awesome people they have in that series. So definitely check it out. It's awesome. Nice. Um, I watched an anime that I actually liked, which is kind of a rarity for me, but I watched perfect blue last week and I watched, uh, I watched this cause I, I had a friend that was really interested in it and I think I'd added it to my watch list cause it's like 41 of all time on letterboxd. And, um, I really liked it. Um, I I think it actually also paired really well with King of Comedy. Um, it's it's a very disturbing watch, uh, but I think it's a really interesting watch. And I wish I could talk about it more. But um, for for fear of spoiling and for time constraints, um, just know that I loved Perfect Blue and I really think you should check it out. So, uh, Robert. Uh, I honestly have not been watching a lot lately that isn't for podcasts. So... But I have been spending a lot of time outside, so I'm going to recommend people go outside, touch some grass, <laughs> touch feel, some the, grass. Feel, the, feel the air on your face. Uh, it's, nice. it's nice. I recommend it. Well, that's a wrap. Uh, remember, you can follow Caleb and Robert at the places they said at the top of the show. I'll have their Twitters linked in the episode description, so um, just look down there. You can also follow me on Twitter, Letterboxd, at Schweitcastle. And quick reminder, the Sif Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. And if you're interested in writing for SifPop.com or you want to get into contact with the show, send us a question to explore during the plot, then you can email writersroom at SifPop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify if you're listening over that way. Uh, Robert, Caleb, thanks for joining me, guys. Really appreciate your time. Um, you said Caleb has we'll, to go. I think he has to get back to the writer's room. Yeah. Uh, next week, uh, Mike and oh. Kristen are joining <laughs> for the TV catch-up. Lion and Fidelity with uh, John and Nash in two weeks. I'm really excited for that one. Uh, and uh, next month, Robert and Rowan with Amadeus. Robert, now you can say your thing. I, I, I've i never messed it up like that. I apologize. Uh, we have to get back to the writer's room.